The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media US. Hello, my name is Mark Yiskowitz. I'm editor-at-large for MMM, and I'm super excited to be part of today's sponsored podcast with GCI Health. Here with me today is Keontae Key, Senior Vice President of Digital at GCI Health. Keontae, welcome to the MMM Podcast. So glad to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. That's a pleasure. Really appreciate you joining us today. So we're going to be talking about a better strategy to connect with multicultural and intersectional audiences and how healthcare brands can embrace and implement a more nuanced approach, leading with identity to create digital campaigns that are fully dimensional and more effective at connecting with the audiences that they intend to reach. And Keontae, you're going to tell us all about that. But before we uh, we get into that, uh, you know, many people are aware of UX and UI. Those acronyms have been floating around for a while. But you've yeah. developed a new approach called Identity Experience, or IX as you call it, which is intended to embed identity into digital experiences. Can you uh, explain for us what inspired you to create this approach? Sure. Thank you, Mark. It's it's a lot, I will say. And I, I'll start with sort of my family. My grandparents, my mom's parents both lived with diabetes. They also passed away due to diabetes complications. So health and sort of disease was kind of always at our kitchen table. As they got older, they had to start taking insulin. And it was just sort of interesting, sort of the shift to being the grandchild and them sort of taking us to swim lessons and things like that. And then us taking them to their doctor's appointments, to dialysis, helping them with their insulin. My mom also stepped in. She retired and became a full-time caregiver. So I then sort of supported her as well. So really just health and disease sort of always being at the forefront and then how that's changed and sort of manifested over the course of my life. And I think the second part of this is obviously, you know, I have a degree from Florida A&M University in public relations. Then I went to Florida State and I got a master's in integrated marketing. And so in school, you learn about all of these theories and models and how do we approach communications? You start with smart goals. You start with the race and the rise model and, and all of that. And I felt like, especially over the last two years with COVID, health disparities in this country have always kind of been a crack, like little cracks here and there. And COVID-19 really made them craters. And I think ultimately, aside from the state of our healthcare system, it was a communications issue. And lastly, I'll say we also saw the explosion of TikTok and the use of it as this sort of entertainment and education educational tool, especially as people were trying to figure out, well, what is COVID? What do you mean there's another variant? Why should I take this vaccine? And so you kind of have just like these overlapping things sort of happening where I have like this lived experience of what disease, the disease state journey looks like from a caregiver perspective, even though I'm not a traditional sort of caregiver. And then sort of my experience going to school, learning about how to be the best practitioner. And then finally, you know, the moment that we are still in, how health communications messages impact the audience that we're ultimately trying to reach. And so I thought about 
we don't, because, you know, when Facebook came about, I was, I think, a freshman in college. I'm dating myself. But when Facebook came about, it was sort of like this explosion of social media. But there wasn't this model or this tool or approach to say in the same way that we had the race and rise models for PR. Well, what does that look like for social and digital? Is Does that automatically transfer? Or are we making an assumption? Are we kind of trying to put a square block in a round hole? Um, so I thought IX could give us that approach to say that when we look, especially at disease, especially as healthcare practitioners, we have to look at everyone's lived experience. And that includes looking at it not only from a disease state epidemiology perspective, but how do they use digital channels to access health information? I know, does everyone just go to WebMD? Should we start there? I don't know. Or should we be going on TikTok? We really have to understand those digital media behaviors. Then we also have to understand, and I think you mentioned it on the setup, the nuances, because how you approach health and how I approach health are totally different. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree from from what I've observed that a, a new model that takes into account how identity impacts how we learn and communicate about health is sorely, sorely needed. And as we, as an industry, have become more intentional the last couple of years about how we address health inequities, one could imagine that the old patient journey model did not necessarily take into account lived-in experience, as you say. Right. And all the messaging and implications of that when it comes to digital communications, uh, as you say, on down the line. You know, if you're if you're not designing it with equity in mind, then the communications is going to, to reflect that inadequacy. So That's where right. does the concept of centering identity already exist and, and who, in your opinion, is getting it right today? Yeah. So I think we see this quite often in like fiction and movies and books and, and things like that. But if I can name one company, I would have to say Pixar. I've been a Pixar fan since Toy Story, the first Toy Story. And I think they do an exceptional job at this, taking a universal story or a meta narrative. And they tell it in a way that centers on identity. For instance, when you take Encanto and Coco, right, that fits within sort of the Hispanic Latino lived experience, right? But Coco is a Mexican story. Encanto is a Colombian story. And it's not only reflected in the music, it's reflected in how the people look, the traditions that are kind of uh, infused in there. But we understand the story of Coco is about family and sometimes also maybe going against your family to understand what who you are. And in Kanto, kind of the similar thing of kind of rectifying sort of breaks or things in the family that that didn't fit. And I also think I just uh, saw Turning Red, which was which was also fabulous. But again, you take a Chinese Canadian girl story based in, I think, the late 90s, because it was I'm sorry, I'm giving it away if anyone hasn't seen it. But again, they, they talked about the mother daughter relationship. And I thought, I always think Pixar, I, I watch pretty much everything that they come out with. But in terms of uh, storytelling from the perspective of identity, but still saying this is a universal story. This isn't just a Mexican story or a Colombian story or a Canadian Chinese story. It's a story that everyone can kind of relate to. And that, to me, 
that's the magic. That's where we all kind of want to want to get to where everyone sees themselves. I also want to say honorable mention. This is us. Excellent storytelling. They wrapped the story up very nicely uh, talking about the Pearson. So that's another another good one. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, uh, Pixar's ability to tell those universal truths where one sees oneself. Yes. In a film like Coco, we're talking about traditions that are uh, very much ingrained in, in, right. in Mexican culture and, um, you know, the concept of death in these cultures. Yes. Uh, and, and respect for one's deceased relatives. And, and yeah, it's, it's amazing how they can pull somebody in no matter what culture you're from and, and make you feel, exactly. make you feel that. Uh, and I think that's so, so that you're saying that's, that's where advertisers can learn from in terms of centering identity and that, that concept. Exactly. Exactly. What are the universal truths that we can elevate? And then how do they apply to everyone? Essentially, we're just using maybe a different sort of overlay. And really, again, just digging deeper because I was reading comments from Encanto, Encanto um, from people who are Colombian. And they were like, I'm so glad that Pixar didn't just paint us all looking the same in one stroke because we are very diverse. We all all aren't the same, you know, tone, skin tone. Our hair is different. Every, you know, those types of things matter to people. So I think about this storytelling getting to people's hearts because that's the emotion. That's the feeling. That's what will, will really, I think, drive people not just to watch a movie, but healthcare. It's so personal. It's, it's our bodies. It's to your point about how in that tradition, the cocoa, how they look about, think about death. Yes, you miss the person, but you know that you will always sort of have a connection with them. So anyway, I think getting to the heart is sort of what Pixar does well. And I think that's something that we could do well too. Yeah. And another great point you just brought up about the, you know, someone said to me about a year and a half ago, when I think we were in the jury room talking about evaluating healthcare creative work. And they're like, they were, we were talking about multicultural campaigns, sorry to use that. I know it's a buzzword, but, you yeah. know, it was talking about a campaign that was oriented toward a, a community of color. And they were saying that, well, the African American community is not, is not monochromatic. And, and this campaign right. does not, not address that broadly, address the community broadly enough. It, it sees it too narrowly. I was like, wow, that was a real, Insight that I just not, not not occurred to me. So yeah. great, great points. Um, let's move on here. Uh, marketers have more access to data today than ever, yet many campaigns still fail to reach people at the intersection of their identity and health. Where do you think the current tools are lacking in capturing the realities of our intersectional lives? Yeah, this is a, a really great question. It's sort of um, the bedrock. IX. If we don't have the intersectional data to even understand who we're reaching, then sort of what what do we do next? And I think a great point is sort of going back to COVID-19, uh, PBS published this really great article about because Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders were grouped into the overall Asian category, it made it look like, oh, okay, you know, mortality rates are fine with that community. But when you pull Pacific Islanders and Hawaiians out, um, the rates were were high. But we can't see that data if we're, you know, not collecting it. And so I, I do think from a surveillance perspective, right, 
we have to, and this will take public and private partnerships, I'm sure, but we really have to start collecting the data because uh, I think only 14 states were even labeling Pacific Hawaiian and Pacific Islanders. So we have to kind of commit that we have to have some data integrity here. We have to make sure that if we are a diverse nation, we are pulling in all that diversity into the data. Um, and that'll help inform messaging, right? Because if we don't know Pacific uh, Islanders and Hawaiians are dying of COVID, we don't know that we should target messaging uh, to them and, and, and work with influencers or have a paid media strategy. We don't know those types of things. So I, I do think that is sort of a miss, a issue that we can definitely work on. The second thing I'll say, social listening and machine learning, that's super important to us because we want to kind of say, well, what's the volume of conversation? How many people are talking about vaccinations or sharing, I don't know, myths or, or things like that? That, I think, as a baseline is important. The thing that we are missing is the who. Well, who's talking about vaccines? What are the specific questions that they have? Then what is the, I mean, some of these platforms do have like age, right? They'll say 13 to 19, you know, 20 to 34. They'll give you a bar chart. They'll also maybe do gender, right? But it's not intersectional. So I don't know if <laughs> there are millennial women talking about this more. I don't know if it's baby boomer men talking about this more. It's sort of like a lot of uh, guesswork that we have to end up doing. And I'm saying all that to say that as great as sort of these quantitative tools and listening tools are, I do think we need this additional layer of qualitative. We need to bring it back. We need to bring back sort of focus groups. We need to bring back sort of these, you know, in-depth interviews that, if the baseline quantitative is saying, well, we think this is where it is, the qualitative will confirm all of that for us. And I really think that's sort of what's missing. Innovation is wonderful. But again, getting back to people's hearts means we have to talk to them. And if we're not doing that sort of in the way that you and I are doing it or going to focus groups or working with, you know, local churches and saying, we want to come talk to you about understanding uh, colon cancer screenings after the death of Chadwick Bozeman, right? If we're not doing that, I think we're going to keep missing the mark and we're going to keep making assumptions because, for instance, I am a Black American woman. I live in, in the South. If we have campaigns where it's like, well, we want to talk to Latinx queer men about prep. I don't know that lived experience. I can make some guesses, but if I don't go out and kind of talk and do the work, get from behind my computer, stop scrolling TikTok, uh, looking at hashtags, I'm <laughs> going to miss some critical pieces that should probably be integrated into the campaign and into the content. Um, so they're limited. They're great baseline. I think we have to go a step further in, in bringing back sort of that analog communication to make our digital communications better. Ooh, I like that. Add the analog back in to the digital. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, yes. It's become a little too binary, hasn't it? Yes, um, yes. 
I want to ask you more about uh, this this term intersectional uh, because I think it's yep. very interesting, and I want to ask you to to find it a little bit a uh, little bit better. Cultural competency and residence are key to any campaign, as you very eloquently uh, laid out here, especially when trying to reach underrepresented communities. How can an intersectional approach improve the effectiveness of digital health communication strategies? And if you could just start with what, what we mean by that. Right. So intersectionality. So let me back up. I want to give credit to Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term intersectionality. And what that means is just that we all have these overlapping social identities. And when she kind of coined it, it was based in like social justice. And not to say I think healthcare is a social justice issue, but it was mainly talking about access to employment opportunities, criminal justice, and how these different sort of societal barriers of like, of racism, of homophobia, you know, those like gender norms, transphobia, ageism, how all of those things impact sort of how we move in the world and our lived experiences. And I think, and I think the folks over at GCI also agree that, you know, healthcare is the probably one of the most personal decisions, right, that we'll ever make. Will I take this medicine? Will I participate in this clinical trial? Should I go to this hospital? Do I know this doctor? Do I trust this doctor? It's all the things that, you know, kind of, and if, if we don't have our health, then, you know, what, what do we have, right? And so I think in integrating intersectionality, and I'm not saying I'm introducing it to health communications. I just think from a digital lens, we should make sure it is the foundation of our work because everyone has overlapping social identities. And when we apply IX, I think it does three things. I think it helps us identify those cultural distinctions in health. So like we just talked about Coco and sort of how um, within the Mexican culture, they think about death, right? So talking to people about mortality rates might not be the thing because they don't look at it. They don't look at death as this final thing. You know what I mean? So what are the mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. things that are important? Maybe it's sharing more moments with family or, you know, those types of things that we should make sure we understand people across identities sort of value. And I think within digital, that allows us to get deeper into segmentation. And so, for instance, if we are talking about disease epidemiology, digital media behavior, we can test different messages, maybe in a way that we can't do with radio, we can't really do with television, but we can kind of test and figure out what is really relevant and what's resonating. And then the third point here is that, again, we are centering the context of the content. So if when we're able to kind of pull in the data, we can create a messaging and a visual journey that'll drive audiences across touch points. And essentially what this means is, do you see yourself reflected in this campaign? It is, it's a yes or a no. Uh, and if it's no, we know how those campaigns end. I don't want to hear about it. But if I do see myself reflected, I'm more likely to opt in. And ultimately, I think 
we all want a healthier country. We want healthier communities. IX sort of just presents this approach, this methodology that allows us to get just hyper-personal and, and hyper-segmented to make sure we're really driving campaign resonance. We're not just doing it to do it, right? We're not just t- doing a TikTok takeover because it's the cool thing to do and super expensive. And I'm sure we'll get a bunch of nice eyes on it. But will people click on the site? Will they register to understand the value sort of of a hepatitis B vaccine. Oh, I need another shot. I didn't know that, but I saw someone say something. So I, I, I think those three points sort of identifying the cultural distinctions in health ensures deeper segmentation. And then it gets to the context of the content. We're just not creating content for the sake of doing it. We're being, to your point, intentional about it because we're intentional about, about the audience. And I'll say um, Snapchat actually created a campaign uh, focused on mental health within the Black sort of Generation Z audience. And it's called, I think it's called, Are You Good? And it's, it's or or is it You Good? I think it's something like that, but it kind of points to the lingo of how Black people might communicate. Like, are you good? It's like, are you doing well? How are you? Right. And they worked with Black creators to kind of come up with these different iterations um, of the campaign. I think it's beautiful. I think it's it's well done. But it kind of speaks to what IX can be, right? That when you do something with intentionality, then you'll see the reward in not only engagement, but maybe someone will go to therapy. Maybe, you know, those are the things we ultimately want to have happen. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for spelling that out. Yeah. How can uh, you know, let, let's talk about where the rubber meets the road, so to speak? You know, if, if there's a brand manager, I'm sure there's many brand managers uh, potentially listening to this podcast. How can I hope they? So. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, how can they go beyond race and gender to embed identity experience into their digital healthcare strategies? Yeah. So I think one of the things we can do is remove our assumptions about groups of people and really just dig deeper. I think you mentioned before, like about health campaigns and black people not being monolith. And I think that's across everyone. I don't think all men think the same. I don't think all women think the same. We are all very different. So kind of shifting from this monolithic approach to everyone and really thinking about it more as omni. What don't I know? Who can I lean on or who can I hire (laughs) to guide how we should be showing up? I think that's one. I think the other part in going back to the issue with Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders with the data, we have to look at also at the start of the disease state epidemiology. Who was being impacted by this disease the most? And then again, bringing in that quantitative and qualitative analysis to really figure out if Black queer men are impacted by a particular disease, how, where are, where do they live? And I want to make sure I'm doing interviews, I'm doing the right sort of messaging, where they show up digitally, maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's uh, them, maybe it's the shade room, 
we have to make sure we are really just digging deeper beyond just sort of what we're being, being presented with on the surface. And I think that really just kind of goes back to removing our assumptions. And, and I know, you know, as marketers, PR folks, we talk about the funnel all the time. And it's sort of like, we want to get to the, to the, the bottom of the funnel. And I think IX allows you to do that because you can kind of see, you know, yourself moving from touch point to touch point, especially when we move beyond just race or just gender. Mm -hmm. So when we center identity on our communications, there's a better chance that they're going to be more resonant with the communities that we're looking to stimulate uh, healthier behaviors in. So to bring up perhaps a more traditional term, uh, in your opinion, is segmented messaging critical to achieving health equity? Oh, absolutely. I think we don't we don't get to health equity without it. And uh, we had Dr. Bertha Hidaglo. She's a professor of epidemiology at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. And she shared a similar sentiment with our team that if, and it, this kind of goes back to the head heart model, we want to speak to people's hearts. And we can't speak to people's heart if we're giving them a generic kind of vanilla message. We have to infuse sort of what will be important for you to hear that will drive you to sign up for that clinical trial, to go get that screening, to get your mammogram, to, you know, Mm -hmm. get your, I mean, if we are not speaking to people's hearts, we are going to miss a lot of people. And I think what's reflected today, we are missing a lot of people with our messaging. And I think IX gives us an approach that is infused with equity, but kind of just goes beyond that, right? Because I do think healthcare and pharma, they have these health equity from a corporate social responsibility perspective, or even like a DEI initiatives, right? What's the communications approach that any agency or any healthcare organization can use to make sure, okay, no, this is how we're making sure this is measurable because we talk to the right people. We're not doing them just to kind of check the box. We are, to your point, bringing intentionality back into, into the fore. So I, I, I give it yes, a resounding, resounding yes, because, you know, we need to develop these sustainable tactics that are in community and in language and in color and across colors. Like it's, it should be all the things. So definitely yes on, on health equity. People listening to this, just one, one more question, uh, yeah. Keontae, I'll let you go. People listening to this may think they don't have the resources, the people or financial ones to develop hyper-targeted messages that account for myriad consumer identities. What's your message to them? How, how can brands address those concerns and, and limitations? I think that testing and learning is, is always uh, piloting sort of a concept. And I think that starts again with the disease state epidemiology, looking at who's really being impacted the most. Where is the need the most? Start there. It doesn't have to be everything, but I think you should focus on where the need is the most. And then everything else I think is scalable. I do think sometimes 
the general message is fine, but when we get down into the details, that's where where the magic is. That's where the sauce, <laughs> the sauce is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing I'll say is, I think, I think these things just take courage. And I live by, well, it's many quotes I live by, but one quote I live by by Maya Angelou on courage. She says, courage is the most important of all the virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can't practice any virtue erratically, but nothing consistently without courage. Um, So yes, equity, but we should do it all with courage. Yes, DEI, we should do it all with courage. Multicultural communication, yes, we should do it all with courage. But ultimately, if our aim is to make our communities, our country, our world a healthier one, we have to lead with courage. And I think it's also exciting, right? Because again, we're widening the aperture. We're building new pathways with IX by being able to reach people in a way that maybe they haven't even been spoken to um, before. And so I would say test and learn with courage. And that would be my IX sort of 101. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice for people just starting out on that pathway, as you put it, with IX. Uh, it's been really great chatting with you, Keontae. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Mark. This has been lovely. And I look forward to many more conversations and really look forward to you know introducing this to our clients and hopefully making our country, our world healthier. So thank you. Sure. So to that end, I hope we can have another conversation as you further that mission of embedding identity and IX into pharma branding. Okay, that was Keontae Key of GCI Health, and it was a terrific conversation. Many thanks for listening. Come back soon for another one. This is Mark Iskwitz for the MMNM Podcast. Take care. Take care.